Yeah, so uh, my name is Pastor Vaughn, and uh, I want to get right at it because uh, that word up there is urgent, isn't it? And that's a phenomenal way to break this sermon series up. Uh, I have an opportunity, Keith and I were kicking this uh, series around, and he just kind of threw out the one that I'm going to be given today, and I couldn't jump on it quick enough. I was like, ooh, I want that one. I want that one. And normally, if you know me, I try to keep the sermons relatively light and funny and enjoyable. This one is not like that. Matter of fact, I feel so passionate about it. The next screen up there is my email. Normally, I would say, hey, if you've got a frustration about the email or about the message, go ahead and email me at kwagner at idahograce.com. <laughs> I always do that, except for today. You guys, that's my email, and I, uh, I'm going to start off this message a little bit heavy. Have you ever had a message that you're really trying to get somebody to understand, almost so much that you're like shaking them? Please pay attention. That's what this is. This is undoubtedly the most important message that I've ever given, and I teach a lot to your kids. And so with that, I want to go ahead and get started, but I'd like you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, and here's a plug at the parents. If you don't bring your Bible, you know that I'm bribing your kids to do so, but they're not going to see the importance unless you bring it. I only get them for 40 minutes a, um, a week, and that's if they come every, every, single, uh, every single Sunday. So please bring your Bibles. Matthew chapter 7, and to get started, I want to tell you a story. I like to dirt bike. I love it. I'm getting older, so the ground, when I find it, it hurts more, but I love the dirt bike. And I actually like to take pride in my stuff a little bit, so my bike's clean. I try, my helmet is orange, and my, and my gear is all black, so I try to color code as best I can. And normally, and yes, I'm a prima donna when it comes to riding dirt bikes. Anyways, so normally we try to hook up with guys that may or may not have, we've ridden with. And this one day, we hooked up with this guy. He rolls up in the truck. I swear, it, it, was, it was okay. The truck is okay. Not to be, I am judging, by the way. I'm just going to say I was, I was way judging. He rolls his bike off. It looked like it hadn't been washed since he pushed it off the showroom floor. He slid his, his boots on. They look like, man, maybe there's two buckles out of the six. Um, I think he was wearing Carhartt gloves and uh, his, his uh, pants were definitely Carhartt. And he was at least 15 years my senior. And well, um, he was rotund. And anyway, so I'm, we're pushing. Rod may have been there on this ride. Anyways, we push, he pushed the bike off, and I'm seriously thinking to myself, all right, at what checkpoint do I actually call Life Flight? Because he's going to have a heart attack. He will die. And, uh, and so we get started, and uh, I'm like, okay, hey, you go ahead and lead out. Guys, I never saw him. I didn't even see his dust. He was so stinking fast. I was going well past my comfort zone, trying to even find his dust. And every intersection, he would graciously slow down long enough to be... And then he was gone again. And I'm like, this guy is insane. And Nate was riding behind me. He's like, Dad, that guy's going fast. And anyways, we finally catch up. And I'm like, kill it. Turn it off. And I go, bro, you got to tell me your story. You're, you're killing me. And he's like, well, you know, I've ridden a day or two. And I'm like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. 
that, that doesn't work with me. Tell me your story. And he goes, well, I used to ride um, a lot. I was, I'm actually an A rider, and we used to race enduro. And I'm like, you guys have to understand, when you say A rider, Graham Jarvis is professional. Guess who is right underneath that? All the A riders. I'm like, F minus. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally judged you wrong. And he's like, don't worry about it, you'll get there. You know, and, and so I'm like, I'll never get there. But I, 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 I think this through. And I think if I were to look at those two individuals, myself and this other guy, who's the poser of the two? Man, I had all the gear. I looked good. I looked the part. Man, he was the real writer, not me. And today, you guys, I get, I get the joy or the stress of sharing this one with you. There's two types of people here. There's the poser, and then there's the real deal. There's a poser who says, I am a believer of, of God, I'm good to go, and then there's the real deal. And as we go today, I'm going to say things that are going to really make you angry. Matter of fact, I even told the security team, watch me because I may get shot on this one. I'm telling you guys, you will misunderstand what I say. You will walk out of here frustrated, but good. Because your feelings is secondary to me knowing that you know for a fact that you've heard the truth. And I'm tired of churches today sugarcoating this. So you're not going to get a sugar-coated message today at all. So buckle up. Ready? Here we go. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Verses, we're going to start in 21. And notice these words are written in what? Written in red. So Jesus is speaking. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And, th and then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Let's pray. Holy God, um, I feel the push against this message already. This one's heavy, but it has to be right. God, every word that comes out of my mouth has to be right through you, and I just pray that you grab a hold of it. Open the hearts and minds of the people that are hearing me, either online or here face to face. God, it's, they gotta walk out knowing one way or another, and only you can reveal it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So as we look at these scripture verses and what Christ is saying, out of all the Bible, Genesis through Revelations, and I've read it a time or two, all the Bible, this is the scariest text known to man. This is the scariest indictment on where you're going to go, period. There's nothing else that scares me more than these scriptures because there's people in this room. I, I'm not, I, this is me shaking you. There's people in this room that come every single Sunday with their arms raised high thinking that they're good to go. And, in, and that's not what our Lord is saying. 
When God, when Jesus is saying at the, in this verse, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, do you, do you realize this fallacy that, hey, all roads lead there? What a crock. Not all roads get there. Our own Lord and Savior says, not everyone. That means what? It is exclusive. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to heaven. And few are on it. Guess who, guess who said that? Our Lord and Savior. So when he says not everyone, that means that there's people in this room at the end of my voice and in our society that are having ill assumptions. Because he goes on, he says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. Do you realize that when Jesus says, Lord, Lord, twice, that is intimacy. Um, another, another example of this would be when Jesus talked to Martha. Jesus is like, Martha, Martha. Or when Abraham is getting ready to sacrifice Jacob. Abraham, Abraham. So when he says it twice, it's, a, it's an intimate conversation. So when this person who is wrong says, Lord, Lord. When he calls out to Jesus and says, Lord, Lord, he's saying this intimately, like, I know, I know who you are, but who, guess what Jesus is saying? Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, as the KJV would say. That intimacy tells you that whoever is calling out to Jesus is doing it from a, Lord, Lord, he's, he's like, how could I possibly have missed this? But yet he did. Which brings me to some assumptions. These false assurances. Now you guys, I'm only going to hit three. And I'm trying to, to hit the biggest ones that I hear. Not only from adults, but what I hear from your kids. Kids say the most interesting things. Especially as they get into junior high and high school. The first False assurance, and I'm going to hit somebody pretty hard on this one. The first false assurance is an emotional experience. Let's say that you have a friend, and that friend in every single situation lies to you. You rely on that friend greatly. When you interact with another person, they tell you all the wrong things. Like, they were really saying this. They were really saying that. You can't trust that person. And that friend that is whispering in your ear is constantly wrong. That person can be manipulated, can be misled, and that person is always wrong. How long will it take for you to say, I'm not really into hanging out with you anymore? But guess what? We do it every single stinking day. And that's your emotions. I could put puppies up there off of Facebook and play some sappy garbage of music and get you to cry. Our emotions are not the litmus test for salvation. And if you win, or if you assume that, hey, I had an emotional, I, 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 I felt Jesus. I felt Jesus there. You'll always constantly try to replicate it. And that needs to be a massive red flag that in your chasing an emotional experience is actually chasing a false assurance. But yet we operate like that all the time. And that, that right there is damnable. 
Look, you, you, here, here, here's some proof. Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind and give every man according to his ways, according to the fruits of his deeds. I could go on a tirade of scripture verses after scripture verse that proves the point that our heart is inherently wicked. Our emotions are inherently self-serving. It will lead you off a, off a cliff to hell. Brings me to the next one. I threw this in here because I had an interaction with a, with, with a gentleman and it, I don't think I gave him a good response. So I threw this one in here. This of false assurances. Well, the, te- well, the preacher told me I was saved. The preacher told you you were saved? How does a preacher know? Who knows your heart? Go back to Jeremiah. Who knows your heart? No preacher has the wisdom, capability to dive into your heart and say, oh, you're good to go. And if, if you heard that, If you heard it, I pray to God that that's not where you're holding your assurance because some guru told you that you were saved because that's not scriptural. A scriptural-based preacher will say, let's dive in. Let's dive in because this is the keys. This is the litmus test that we have to use to find out if you're saved. You can't trust somebody else's opinion. Do we need to reread Jeremiah? Which brings me to the next one. And all right, get ready, you guys. This is where I lost a lot of friends on this one. I heard this from Joyce Meyer, Joel Osteen, all those prosperity. I had a descriptor in there. I'm going to skip it. All the prosperity people. Hey, listen. If you say this prayer after me, dear Jesus, I want to make you Lord of my life. Come into my life, wash my sins away, and amen. Do you guys realize that sinner's prayer is nowhere in God's word? And we use that as, man, you're good to go. Now, in and of itself, in and of itself, I have a little bit of rocks I want to throw at it. But in and of itself, it's not horrible. It's just really bad theology. First of all, if I could make somebody my Lord, who's Lord? Me. He has no reason to listen to my agenda. I can't make Jesus my Lord. Ah, ah, but somebody's pushing back. Pastor Ron, Pastor Ron, what about, what about these scripture verses? What about John 10 through, John 10, 9, 1 John 4, 15, where it says, if you profess with your mouth, God will save you, Jesus will save you. Listen, you can't take scripture, rip it out of its context, and build an eternity-based theology on it. If you just dive a little bit deeper and keep reading, you get the but at the ends of those. The application. Look, that sinner's prayer has done more damage and more damnable damage than anything I can imagine. And here's my, here's my proof to that. See, I'm really fired up on this because I used to use it. 
as, as your kid's pastor. Praise God that he has changed my heart and he's taught me because here's the, here's, the, here's the results of this. You use those three delusional false assurances. Guess what is the result of that? Hey, I got my flu, flu shot called Jesus. I'm good to go. I write, I, hey, I see that hand back there. You're good to go. You wrote your name on a card. You're good to go. You're saved. You don't even need to worry about coming to church. Worse yet, parents, you don't even need to catechize your children. They raise their hands too. How dare we assume an eternity-based theology on that? You want further proof? How is it that a woman could be sexually assaulted for 45 bus stops and nobody do anything? And the reason why is because nobody has any moral compass anymore. And you know who I put? I, I, I blame the pulpit. Thank God that you guys come to a, 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 a teaching biblical church. But the pulpit as a whole has misled that's not salvation. If you raise your hand and you're sitting here and you're like, man, I, Vaughn, I know I'm saved. And I said that prayer. Man, I'm, I'm going to say something really hard. God saves people out of a crack house. He'll save you. But why in the world would we teach our children, you're good to go? Why? You know why? Because we don't even have good theology as the parents. Grandparents. I could go back several, several generations. You know what was over here several, I'm going to describe a huge pendulum. You know what was over here several generations ago? Legalism. That word legalism. And the second I say that, most of you are like, ugh. You know what? I would challenge you to define it. Legalism, as it is defined, is basing your salvation on a list of rules that may or may not be in God's word. Is it, is it her heretical? Yeah. If I base my salvation on the works in which I do, legalism is over here. Just like modern society, we have knee-jerk responses. Legalism is over here, and the pendulum swung way past where it was supposed to be, and guess where it's now? It's called antinomianism, meaning I don't need to do anything. I got my Baskin 31 Robbins version of Jesus, and it's six flags over Jesus. I'm good to go. I don't need to do anything. Guys, this is where all of where I'm yelling and screaming about. That's where we're at as a society and worse yet, as a church at times. This is, you guys, it, it, Keith and I are like, if we had three sermons, this is mine. This is me shaking you. The problem is, I want to use this analogy if I was on my way to church, and um, I'm stealing this from a guy by the name of Paul Washer. He's a huge hero of mine. If I'm on my way to church, and I get a flat tire, and, and, I, and I walk into church late, but I was on my way, I get a flat tire, I'm taking the tire off, and I step up, and all of a sudden, a Mack truck just hits me. Boom! Bounces me into the farmer's field. I get up, I dust myself off, and I walk across the stage, and I look just like this, and everybody's like, hey, how come you're late? Well, you're not going to believe it. I was changing a tire. I got hit by a truck. Are you going to believe me? No. 
know it would leave a mark. Would it not? If you had an actual spiritual relationship or an experience with God the Most High, the one that hung the sun where it goes, the one that causes the earth to rotate perfectly, the one that stops a wave every single second necessary, if you had that kind of experience, it would leave a mark. You would walk with a limp, yes or no? But yet, when we get that proverbial flu shot of Jesus, we're right back into the world. The problem with false assurances are threefold. First of all, it gives you horrible theology. You can't make Jesus, I, I can't make Jesus be my Lord. I can't. I can submit to his lordship. Next one is horrible Christology. I threw that out there, Baskin Robbins for Jesus. This is the, this breaks my heart. My son goes to high school, a public school, and there's this kid there that says, my parents drug me to church when I was little. He goes to high school, and, and Nate, around Nate, you can't help but have a spiritual conversation sooner or later. I think it's like a moth to a flame. And he's saying, Nate, I don't believe in Jesus anymore because there's this black Jesus, there's this white Jesus, there's this purple Jesus, there's this, there's this Jesus that came from Ethiopia, there's this Jesus that didn't do or got married or whoever. It's no wonder that kid is confused. I want to go to the parents and say, why didn't you teach him right? It's no wonder he's confused. And these are kids that are literally walking into life not saved. Man. Heidi told me I can't, I can't yell so much. So I already blew that, didn't I? All right, we hit all the negative stuff. Let's go to the positive, shall we? How do I know? Let's go to the person the best evangelist to ever walk this face of the earth. The best preacher to ever teach on the face of the earth. Who do you think I'm going to say? It's our Lord and Savior. Let's go to John 3. John 3, 1 through 8. John chapter 3, 1 through 8. I love this man because he actually asked Jesus, in a roundabout way, the question that we're going to answer today. I don't want you to leave here not knowing. But this guy, this guy asks it right. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, verse, uh, verse 2 of chapter 3. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. I love Nicodemus actually started out with this flowery introduction to try to get on Jesus' good side. Look what our Lord and Savior says. He gets directly to the crux of the problem. Because he knows how urgent this is. And Jesus says, again, look at this, truly, truly. So he's leaning in. It's a, an intimate response. Truly, truly. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, again, truly, truly. 
I say to you, unless one be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Did he say, hey, raise your hand and repeat this prayer? No. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. The wind is the spirit, you guys. The spirit of God. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Listen, there is a big difference between somebody saying, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, and somebody who actually possesses it. I don't care about the person that says, I believe, I believe, pastor, I believe, I believe, I believe. Do you possess it? If you possess it, then you're born of water and spirit because that which was given to you is spirit, not of the flesh. If I raise my hand and make him my Lord, that is flesh. But if I reach out and it's a spiritual change, it's rebirth. Go back to the analogy. If I'm truly reborn, I should walk with a limp. I have to be different. Well, Vaughn, you're getting into legalism. No, I'm not. Just wait. I got that for you. Colossians 2.13 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive. Who made alive? God made alive. Did I make alive? No, I did not make alive. God made alive. You can't make a dead man do anything. God made him alive. God made me alive. With him having forgiven us all our trespasses. Romans 8, 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Man, that's a big if. It's not everybody. It's if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Good assurance true assurance, it's spiritual. It's you being born again, which brings me to the so what. There's a big word that uh, I'm going to get into. It's called obedience. Obedience is a great test. Okay, you guys ready? This one's going to make people mad. I already got a text from first service, which is cool. (laughs) All right, that was the extent of the laugh because this is going to get hard. Hey, ladies, God's word is very specific on how you should adorn yourself in modesty. Do you chafe against that? I don't believe that. It's, it's antiquated information. Really? It's not what he says. Hey, men, this is where I got the text. How long are you spending on that Xbox and not teaching your kids what Jesus is about? How much time do we spend hunting? Look, I'm a hunter. Is your wife divorced for all of October? John Wesley used to go into the house and he'd do family visits. He'd sit there with the kids and he'd say, repeat Psalms 23, a little kid, a really little kid. And if that kid sat there dumbfounded like, he'd be like, all right, buddy, go. You're out. He'd look at the mom and say, what are you doing? 
And then he would excuse her. And then he would lay into that dad. Your responsibility, dads, are to teach your kids. It's not mine. I only get them for 40 40 minutes. I can't make them Christian. And if they don't see you lead, or if mom has to lead. Moms, you too. Are you reading your word? Are you reading the Bible? Are you reading it? Are you digesting it? Are you growing? Or do you chafe? Obedience is not legalism because when it's done right, it flows from the faith that God gave you. I have all the desire in the world to follow his word when his spirit is guiding me. But when it's not, I'm going to rail against the guidelines that are in this book. I'm going to say it's antiquated. I don't like that. I re- I've heard this from preachers. I refuse to believe that. It's in there. Now you know why I got that text. Obedience needs to flow from our faith. I don't do in order to have faith. We got the order wrong. That's why I've been pushing back more and more on parents that want to get their kids baptized, the early ones. You should walk with a limp. Baptism's down the road. Baptism is one of those things that I should be able to see. You should be able to see your kid walking with that spiritual limp. We have to get our our theology right. Theology is not something that's reserved for Keith. It's not something that's reserved for these teachers. Theology is yours. He gave it to you. Stop messing around with it. We've got to learn it. It's given to us. Okay. Brings me to James 1.22. I'm going to go old school. I'm going to go KJV on it. It says, but be ye doers. Of the word. Do you know what that word doer means? I ask my kids this, what does doer mean? And they're like, well, I gotta clean my room. Yeah, okay, that's an obligatory response. I expected that. The word doer there is not an obligatory response. When it's written here, it means herald. It means ambassador. It means a representative. I am being a representative of God's word and I'm doing it because I love him. I am, let's take the word doer out, but be an ambassador of the word and not hearers only. Look, you can't go to church on Sunday, get your flu shot and act like the devil on Monday. It is incongruent. You are going the opposite direction of God's word and intent for your life. If you relish in the world, you relish the sin, you appreciate the sin, you are not saved. Luke 6, 46. I quoted this to my kids. They did not like me. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Another intimate comment. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And wait for it. Listen to this, and not do what I tell you to. We leave church all the time, and that's the last we pick this up. Till next Sunday when you're guilted into doing it. Guys, that's written in red. God's telling us. You can't just give it lip service, and that is our problem. Not just in church 
But in society, we have this fake idea that everybody gets there. You can't take your theology from Oprah. I don't know why I just said that. I don't like her, so whatever. All right. I know, a pastor's supposed to love everybody. No, I don't even want to get into that. Okay. And it's not even third service. Okay. The last one, this one's hard. All of it's hard. Is your, your salvation will be tested. The scripture verse comes to mind that what is faith unless it's been tested? I got something for you. It's empty. It's useless. It's pointless. Your faith will be tested and thank God that it is. And I pray that your faith, when it is tested, holds true. How in the world can an an Afghani Christian be pulled from their house, beaten, robbed, hung, decapitated, and there's kids in here, I don't want to go any further, and then we as American Christians are looking at our watch saying, man, I hope I make it by kickoff. Uh, Look, I, I know, I know there's saved people here. But do you see, do you see my point? There will come a time when you're going to have to say, no, because I am a child of God. And if that never, ever, ever comes, I'm praying for you because your faith must be tested even at a kid level. Kids, I tell them all the time, if you love Jesus, you can't not mind. You have to try to mind. I tell them all the time, you should thank me. I tell them to be obedient. It ha- you should look different. Look, I work for a very, very corrupt company on my day job. And there, has a, there is a time right now where I'm putting my foot down. I'm not going to do it. It's going to cost you at times. And it should. It has to. All right. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. When he says the rock there, a lot of people think, well, that must mean on the rock of Jesus. In actual context, what that means is the rock of obedience. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and what does, what does he say? Does, an action word, does not, or does them. You guys, we, we, have, to, we have to understand something. If I got hit by that Mack truck, I better be limping. And uh, as the worship team comes, I, I want to I conclude a little bit differently. My big point, and I missed it during first service. Many people came up, what's your big point? The big point is, which one are you? You want to be a poser or do you want to be the real deal? Can I say that any meaner in order for you to hear it? Which one do you want to be? You want to walk out here and cling to what I gave you as far as, far as false assurance How long before that empty assurance betrays you? The false assurance, actually, that person will walk out of here and say, hey, what's for lunch? The true assurance, 
people, the people that are saved, this should have rattled you a bit. It's okay. It's okay to be rattled because guess what? The spirit is pinging you. Are you sure? Well, that's cool. Grab your sermon guides. On the back of your sermon guides, let's, let's make sure that you're sure. All of this comes out of 1 John. It's not a preacher telling you something. This comes directly out of 1 John. And we're going to do a little bit of a test. No chief, no fun. You play. Listen, these questions, if you can answer these in the affirmative, take heart, brother and sister. You will fail, but when you fail, a righteous man gets up. Listen to these questions. Do you recognize his lordship? If you made him lord, he's not your lord. Do you recognize the biblical lordship of who Christ is? Do you? Number two, does your obedience flow out of your faith or is it obligatory? You have to do it. Because you don't want to be judged by your friends to the left or to the right. No, that is not right. Does your obedience flow from your faith? Number three, how sensitive are you to your sin? Does it wreck you? How aware are you that you shouldn't be looking at that? How aware are you? that you shouldn't be saying this. Guys, our sin should be very obvious. Number four, have you seen a definitive change? Are you walking with a limp? Can you honestly look back over the corridor of your life and say, I was this, but praise God, now I'm that. Do you walk with a limp? You should. Last one, do you have a true desire to please God? Look, this is where your theology comes home to roost. Look, I'm telling you, if, if you answered the affirmative to those, and yeah, you're not perfect, nobody's perfect, but if you said yes to those, my theology and what I read clearly states that you would not be able to do that apart from the Spirit of God in your life. Take heart, Christian, because that is true assurance. Do you get it? Look, I'm sorry that I may have hurt your feelings today, but I'm not. If you walk out today and you're holding on to that fake assurance and you get into that car, how many people have we lost this year just from this COVID junk? And let's just say that you think you're all good. Really, are you? You better make sure you know. Look, after service, I'm gonna be down here at the bottom and, and uh, come and talk to me. Let's talk this through. Let's pray. Uh, God, I said a lot of hard things, but you told me to. So there it is. God, I pray for each and every one of the faces that I look across this auditorium and some I know, some I don't. And I would judge, I'd be like, yeah, they're saved, but Lord, only you know. God, may these words cut deep. 
May they hear directly from you. Continue to read. Continue to open your word. Give them, give them that desire. In Jesus' holy son's name I pray. Amen. Listen, you guys, I'll be here in the front. You want to come and talk? Let's talk. Bless you. We love you so much. Have a good week.